Sarasota, Tampa Bay. And now it's time for Shut up and sit down. Yeah, welcome back to Parapro. This is Jesse J over here with my buddy Chance Hancock and our bomb board operator Blue. I failed. <laughs> That's right. You completely failed miserably. We were voted by eight out of three people to not be able to do math. Um, <laughs> our show Parapro, we are brought to you in part by myself because we don't have a sponsor yet. We need one. Um, <laughs> We are looking. We are. We looking. are looking. Come see us. Yeah. So uh, we have a very awesome show today. Um, however, I had a crappy day. Not a, well. I don't want to say that. It was more of a crappy afternoon. My day was good. The afternoon was crappy. Uh, my Jeep had broken down on me here a couple of weeks ago. Went to go work on it at a friend of mine's house. We realized that it looked to be just an oil leak from the oil pan, stuff like that. Bought some sealant, got it all fixed, loaded it up. Yeah, the clutch had gone out, and which luckily I had the clutch, so I got to replace it. And then by the time I managed to get home with my Jeep, because I'd take it real, real slow because of the clutch and everything, then my wife gets there at the last possible minute. So I'm like, okay, I can still handle this. I can still handle this. You know, boom. I go cooking down the road and realize no wallet, and I'm on E. <laughs> so then I call and realize my phone's not at the house. I left it at my friend Dwayne's house, whose house I went to to go work on my Jeep. So he has to fly down to the gas station, meet me with my wallet. Dude, it was like everything that could go wrong was going. Dude, I felt like Rocky in the ring. It was like, yo, I remember no bell. You know what I'm saying? I just would not give up, man. Just kept running and rolling, dude. <laughs> so anyways, I managed to make it here. I lived. And uh, we're going to have a great show today. Yeah, we are going to have a very educational show. It's going to be one of our uh, probably most serious shows ever because yeah. we have our guest, Avi Loeb. He is a uh, Harvard professor, a Ph.D. Uh, astrophysicist. He's got a long list of like qualifications that I cannot remember because my memory is crap. Unlike Mr. Avi Loeb, Dr. Avi Loeb, Dr. Avi Loeb. Yeah, he does have a Ph.D., so yeah. Yeah, he's got a Ph.D. in uh, physics. Um, he also was a cabinet member. Um, yeah. Wow. Part of the president's cabinet member for, uh, you know, for everything happening on in space. But, uh, this man has had, has sat down and had dinner with Stephen Hawking. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's he's up there. Awesome. Well, see, I was. Now, granted, I would have loved to have been fly on the wall to listen to both ends of the conversation. Oh, man. Yeah. That's crazy. No, I was listening to one of his lectures on the way over here and I had to stop because I would have just sat there and missed the whole show because it was super interesting, and it was on a level where he doesn't lecture like a normal Harvard professor. you know. He, he What you would think, stereotype way. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he doesn't try to talk over you. He talks to you. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And it was super funny because I'm cracking up. He's making jokes during his lecture. I'm cracking up. Nobody in the audience, live recorded audience, didn't laugh. I was like... All right, am I just? <laughs> I must be entirely too intelligent. <laughs> no, either. Uh, Me and him get it with a PhD, but not the people in the audience. They're imbeciles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like, uh, maybe that wasn't. <laughs> like, I was questioning whether it was a joke or not. And I was like, all right, you know, screw it. I don't care. I'm in my car alone. Who cares? <laughs> you know, there. I mean, I, I was watching a bunch of his interviews too and stuff. You know, to kind of prep a little bit more. Besides reading all the press readings on him, the man has. Been on, you know, everything from CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, you name it. He's been there. You know, Business Insider did an article on this man. Forbes Magazine. I got hiccups bad. Sorry. Uh, Forbes Magazine. I mean, quite a other, like, you know, Wall Street Journal did an article on this gentleman. You know, so it, and it's one of those situations where I remember, like, when I saw the article about him, which I remembered it from years ago, you know, about this whole situation with, we'll get into about this, you know, Object. Artifact, yeah, we'll call it an object for now, going through our uh, our solar system. Um, that in that, I'm getting a call from Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> I wonder if that may be him calling me on my cell phone. <laughs> I tell you what, 
Jesse J, take over. Yeah, all right. Well, while he's doing that, um, I have no idea what to say. <laughs> but no, it's going to be a super interesting show with this guy, and I'm super excited as someone who's spent majority of his life into science. I am very, very uh, admiring of him. He's uh, super intelligent, and he is on the phone. There you go. <laughs> Technical difficulties, folks. I wish you all can see this on video. We need to start doing like a live stream or something because Blue is literally holding up a sign for our professor because our uh, esteemed Chance Hancock cannot give the right number to people. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely awesome, and we've all had bad days days where we get things wrong, so, like, yeah, and today (laughs) is definitely one of those days, I mean, we always have a rough week, Blue's doing his thing, making props and dice and things, so now I have the personal number of Avi Loeb, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I call him up 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm drunk, hey, I got this question about this thing I saw last night, (laughs) (laughs) it happens. Unfortunately, I guess his assistant didn't get the number to him for the call in, so he called my cell phone, which thank God he had my number to call. So Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. All right. So excited. I know, I'm excited too. I really am. All right, be good. Okay. Avi, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yes, Fantastic. thank you so much. This is Chance. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing well, so we just spoke. I'm glad that I found your number because uh, nobody told me anything about calling somewhere else. I'm glad you found it, too. And now it's interesting because now that I have your number, I can call you to ask you really weird questions in the middle of the night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we are between 6 and 6.30, right? That's, uh... Uh, yes, right now we're at 6.07, okay. so we got plenty of time. Uh, we own the show. We can take you however long we feel like it. So, Or however long okay. you feel like it. At least for an hour, yeah. Yep. However long no, you can no, tolerate we, us. I thought we agreed on half an hour, right? Half an hour, you got it. Okay, sounds good. Please go ahead. Okay, well, first off, I have to say that after reading like some of the press releases about you, uh, reading just the background information on you, I was just totally blown away by your credentials. It, like when I was speaking with the people on our program here and at the radio station, I said, look, when this gentleman calls in, I know we are very fun-loving and very goofy with our show the way we do it. And I'm like, this time we may have to knock it down a couple notches and be a little more serious. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, don't uh, pay too much attention to the labels that they have. Um, uh, fundamentally, I'm still the kid that grew up on a farm, and uh, just ask me any question you want. Great. Well, then we're going to get along perfect then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, I grew up on a farm, too. I definitely... I'm I'm right there with you. I definitely, when I was uh, kind of doing research on you and trying to get more background on you, I stumbled upon your Harvard profile, and that got me super excited because I grew up on a farm. I grabbed eggs from chickens. I did the whole cultivation and everything. Actually, I'm doing uh-huh. it now at my house, and I was like, okay, look at that. that guy, he's just another guy, you know, just right. a whole lot smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think I changed much, and, um, you know, th- that's plan B for me if um, – uh, sometimes I think of going back to the farm because I'm disappointed by my uh, colleagues here in academia. You know, you know, I would definitely have to say that I could definitely understand that. Um, you know, when when you get up to the level that you're at and doing the things that you have done, and then you have people that are just consistently just kind of becoming a train wreck, I can understand right. you get to the point you're ready to just take a step back and take a break for a while. I totally get that. Well, um, yeah, specifically about what my book is uh, discussing, and that is, uh, the search for technological signatures of other civilizations out there. And this is considered to be out of uh, the mainstream, and uh, people dismiss it and ridicule any such discussion. And I think it's uh, just inappropriate because, first, the public is very interested in the subject, and uh, astronomers have the tools to address it, but they shy away from it because they argue that you know there is this literature on science fiction and uh, unidentified flying objects, and they just want to be on a pedestal, that not not really deal with that. But um, my point is, if you go back to the Middle Ages, uh, there were people saying that the human body has some magical power, therefore we should not uh, operate it, uh, not dissect it. And uh, and so uh, imagine if science said we don't, you know, we don't want to deal with the human body because uh, there are all, there is all this nonsense being said about it. 
then we wouldn't have modern medicine. And uh, I think it's an obligation of scientists to actually address uh, uh, topics that are of interest to the public. Well, let me be the first to say that we admire your work, Mr. Avi, and that I definitely feel you on that, and I am very happy there are people like you out there actually asking the tough questions and not being so ignorant as to think that we are the only people in the universe. Yeah, I think it's arrogant, actually, to think that we are the only ones. Uh, a much more modest point of view is to say not only that we are common, but we are probably not the smartest kid on the block. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, we prove it daily. <laughs> You know, my, my daughters, when they were very young, they thought that they are they have special qualities, they're very special. Then they went to the kindergarten and they got a better perspective. So when they met other kids, and mm-hmm. I think the only way for, our, for us to mature in that sense is to find others out there. Absolutely. I, I mean, to put this in perspective for some people, you take someone like, say, Stephen Hawking, one of the most brilliant minds of, like, well, I don't want to say our generation, but of history, period. And even he has talked about, you know, alien life, you know, surviving throughout our entire universe. So it's how can somebody question someone of that magnitude of intelligence? And this is not ruling you out of that same box. I put you in the same box, you know, same box with him. By the way, he he was uh, in my house uh, 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 in 2016 when we inaugurated uh, two projects, and he came... uh, for Passover dinner at my home, and uh, it was fun to have him around. What was that like, probing him and questions around your home? What, what well, was that like being with him? Uh, it was, uh, I mean, you had to, to be patient because it took him some time to respond to any, any mm-hmm. question. But um, he had this machine that would uh, translate uh, his uh, eyebrow movements uh, into words. And uh, But... Um, Overall, I found him to be quite uh, amazing because um, he was very optimistic about life, despite the fact that he couldn't move a muscle. You know, he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even uh, had an affair with his uh, caretaker at some point. And you know, think about that. How is that possible? And then uh, when he was here uh, in Boston, he one evening after dinner, he said um, to his caretakers, uh, "I'm I'm bored. Why don't we go and have some fun at the bar?" the hotel and they went there and so he was full of life you know despite his disability and i think it's uh, it represents uh, some sense of optimism that you know if he was able to be an optimist and you know live life to the fullest and do so many things in science so how can anyone be depressed you know by circumstances you know Mm -hmm. imagine being unable to, to move a muscle you know and most people would just give up at that point the only thing I keep thinking of at this point in time is the other people in that bar who were already intoxicated going, no, nah, that can't be Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, someone stopped him. Uh, he, he lived in uh, Cambridge, England, and uh, one day someone stopped him on, on the street and asked if he's the real Stephen Hawking. He said, no, I'm just pretending to be. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and see, and I am one of those people that I, I equate hu- uh, uh, humor with intelligence because, let's be real, I mean, in order to be rapid-fire response and snappy comebacks, you do have to have some sort, you know, form of intelligence to be able to think I completely agree. I mean, all these uh, people that look like fossils, you know, like they, they try to preserve an image, they, I, I think they lack this sense of uh, intelligence, and they just want to, uh, you know, portray an image that is bigger than them. And you find a lot of these people in academia, you know, that mm-hmm. are just trying to build their image. And, and that's what I, I, I hate, because um, it's not about creating an image of yourself, showing that you're smart. Or The point is about uh, doing science is to figure out what nature is, you know. And sometimes you make mistakes, you go in the wrong direction. Just like kids, you know, when kids try to figure out things, um, they very often make mistakes. But... But eventually they learn, and and we should be modest, humble, you know, and just try to figure out nature without the prejudice, just based on evidence and clues, and and that's the way I see doing science. And um, it makes apparently it makes uh, some people upset that I even raise the possibility that this object Oumuamua, 
could have been a technological relic. That that makes them upset. You know what? And I, sure. I firmly think that is so ridiculous for them to even throw out the possibility of it being an, you know, an artificial object. Because, number right. one, you know just as well as I do, and I'm sure you know more than I do, but you know just as well as I do, like we were talking about at the very beginning of the show, throughout the vastness of our entire universe, I mean... I mean, even physics may be different in other parts of the universe compared to our own. Well, in principle, it could have been, but in fact, it looks like it's the same. But the point about the other civilizations is that we know that roughly half of the stars that look like the sun have a planet like the Earth, roughly at the mm -hmm. same separation. And that means there are billions of Earth-Sun systems, just similar to what we find in our backyard here in the solar system, there are billions of them just within the Milky Way galaxy. And then you have a trillion galaxies like the Milky Way in the observable volume of the universe that we can see. And so, um, you know, it's more than the number of grains of sand on all beaches on Earth. And then you ask yourself, you know, how can someone be so arrogant to think that we're special and unique? It's sort of like my daughters when they were young, you know. Mm -hmm. People can think that. It, it flatters their ego. But uh, the point is, I mean, if my daughters insisted to stay at home, they could have maintained this view. They could have said, you know, uh, we are unique, and indeed, if we stay at home, we are unique. Uh, and that's pretty much what uh, the scientific community is doing now. It, it says uh, technological civilizations are rare. We are very special in that regard. And not, let's not even look. And anyone that is raising that possibility that they might be out there, or that if some anomalous object, looks like nothing like a rock in the solar system that we have seen before, nothing like a comet or an asteroid. Let's not even consider that possibility. Uh, it's sort of like my daughter saying, let's stay at home, let's not even look. And then, you know, telling young people not to work on this and not providing any funding for research in this direction. It's uh, just like stepping on the grass mm -hmm. and saying, look, the grass doesn't grow. You know, if you don't, it's exactly that. And, uh, it's really unfortunate because the scientific community needs to be exactly in the opposite place. You know, it needs to to consider this possibility as real. You know, that that should be the common sense that we are not special, because whenever we thought that we are special, we were wrong uh, in the past. We thought mm -hmm. that we are at the center of the universe. You know, and, and it turns out that we are not. Uh, the Earth moves around the Sun. The Sun moves around the galaxy, and you know, the galaxy is one out of so many. So we are not at the center of the physical universe. Why should we be the only civilization? makes no sense. It's arrogance, basically. And you know what? I agree with that completely because it seems like from everything you've been telling me and what I've actually have been reading, too, because you know, I do read up on this subject a lot, it seems to me that the scientists have seemed to forgot the one important thing that started science from the very beginning, and that's curiosity. Exactly. That's right. And, and not having a prejudice, you know, it's exactly uh, just being open minded because uh, we know from history, like, for example, there was Galileo uh, Galilei that argued that the Earth moves around the sun, despite what people thought at the time. And they told him, we don't want to look through a telescope. Well, you know, we know the answer. The sun moves around the Earth and they put him in house arrest. And uh, the only thing that that accomplished was for them to remain ignorant it didn't change the fact that the Earth moves around the sun. And, uh, you know, that that is very unfortunate um, because reality doesn't change, you know, if we ignore it. It doesn't really matter if we ignore it. or, But for us, it matters. We, at least I, want to know what's going on. I, I don't want to bury my head in the sand and just say, I'm special, I, I'm unique, there is nothing out there, and I don't want to look. You know, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, a lot of people have, like us kind of rely on people like you who are, who have the means and who are super curious like us about what is actually out there to yeah. find out. And, I mean, speaking of which, tell us a little bit more about um, Amor Amor. Your, um, sure. The, um, yeah, so yeah. I, I think one of the reasons that I'm currently in the news and that my book is doing so well and gets so much attention is because the public is starved uh, on this subject, you know, that scientific community doesn't discuss it on purpose. And then um, when I come out and discuss it, then the public is extremely interested. So this, this object, uh, Oumuamua, was discovered in 2017 in uh, Hawaii uh, with a telescope in Hawaii. And the, the name means uh, a scout or a messenger from far away. It was the very first object that was found near the Earth 
that came from outside the solar system. And we know that because it, it moves too, it moved too fast near the sun. So it, it cannot be bound to the sun like the pl- planets are. It must have come from outside the solar system. And then everyone assumed that, uh, well, you know, it's just like a comet or, or a rock that we have seen before in the solar system. But it didn't show, uh, a cometary tail at all. There was, there was no trail of gas or, or dust behind it. And yet, uh, it also exhibited an extra push uh, away from the sun. And uh, it was not clear what gives it this extra push. If there is no <laughs> evaporation of this object, usually that gives uh, the object the rocket uh, effect, the, the push from evaporating gases. Uh, there was nothing like that. And so what gave it this extra push? And uh, also when the object tumbled, uh, it looked as if it, it has a very extreme geometry. It's most likely flat, uh, pancake-like, not uh, not cigar-shaped the way some cartoons depicted it, but actually pancake-shaped. And then uh, uh, also it was projected on the sky. It was at least 10 times longer than it was wide. And so very extreme. We've never seen anything like it. And the only explanation I could give was that the, the reflection of sunlight is giving the push. Uh, just like uh, wind gives a push to a sail mm-hmm. on a boat, uh, if the object is thin enough, if it's like a sail, then the reflection of sunlight can push it. And this is called the light sail. And it's, some, it's a technology that we are developing now for space exploration. And it has the advantage that the spacecraft doesn't need to carry any fuel with it. So um, it could be just a piece of material, surface material that was ripped apart from a spaceship. It could be space junk. But the point is it needs to be very thin. And uh, in fact, uh, in uh, September 2020, just a few months ago, there was another object that showed the same kind of push without a cometary tail. And that turned out to be uh, a rocket booster from a 1966 uh, uh, mission to the moon. And uh, we know that that one was hollow and Thin. Uh, and we know we know that it was artificial because we produced it. And the question is, who produced Tomuamua? Very good question. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's the same question I had. I mean, you know, because I mean, I remember like when it first came out, and I was reading up on it, and and you know, taking a lot of people's viewpoints on it and asking. Um, like you said, there's so many different you know factors to show that it seems more artificial than just a natural phenomenon. Right, and I discuss it in my book in more detail. There are other peculiarities of this object. And, you know, um, there was a seminar, uh, a talk about this object uh, at Harvard, and after the the talk I left the room with with a colleague of mine that worked for many years on rocks in the solar system, and he said, this object is so weird, I wish it never existed. And (laughs) I found that to be uh, really uh, inappropriate because... A scientist should be happy with whatever nature uh, gives us because, you know, if it doesn't quite line up with what we expected, we learn something new. You cannot complain that you wish something never existed. That makes no sense. Uh, that's like going to another country and seeing someone of, you know, a foreign look and going, yeah, I don't like them. <laughs> that yeah. makes no sense. Well, yeah, no, yeah no, no. And, and, you know, I, I compare it to a caveman that sees, that is, that is familiar with rocks, playing with rocks all of his life, and then you present a cell phone to the caveman, obviously he would say that it's just a shiny rock. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us more about your book. I want to dive more into that before we uh, run out of time with you here. Yeah, so the book describes why this object was so weird and, um, uh, and, and, and therefore could be artificial. And you know, in the future we can find more objects of the same if we search. It's sort of like walking on the beach and then seeing most of the time uh, seashells or rocks that are naturally produced, but every now and then you see a plastic bottle, and that tells you that there is a civilization out there. So I talk about that, but then I also discuss the response of the scientific community that that is really not ready to even discuss such issues, and um, that's very unfortunate. And we are missing an opportunity here because you know, we have the tools to address this subject, and somehow the, the 
mainstream of science is refusing to discuss it. And uh, I want to change that. And I'm, you know, I don't care how many likes I have on Twitter. I, I don't have any, any footprint on social media. And I just express what I think, you know, what you see is what you get with me. I mean, I don't pretend to know more than I actually know. And so I, I express my views on this and I hope that it will change the opinions of people. Uh, the book is doing extremely well, I must say. Um, you know, well, first of all, I got uh, uh, of order uh, 200 requests for interviews over a few weeks. And uh, wow. I got 10, uh, 10 filmmakers and producers from Hollywood that uh, showed interest in the book just over the past week. Really? Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of questions from the public, a lot. And so it's, it clearly captivates, the, you know, it, it really is of great interest and all over the world. I just spoke to, just to give an example, today, you know, I woke up at 5 a.m. because I usually jog uh, and I, you know, when there are no people around. And so I went, uh, I jogged in the woods with rabbits and, and ducks and so forth. And uh, then uh, I, I came home and I had a, an interview, uh, a podcast from India for an hour. Then immediately after that, I had the, an interview on CNN with uh, M- Michael Smirkonish. Uh, so there is uh, anyone that is interested can find it. It's a five-minute uh, segment. And then after that, I had uh, an interview for Mexico, uh, for the Mexican television, uh, of about half an hour. Uh, and, uh, and after that, another interview. So basically, every day I have of order, you know, eight to ten back-to-back interviews. And that, that's true of the past few weeks and it will be true for the next few weeks and and I find it important because I want to communicate you know what I uh, my views and it's a platform to to do that it's I I don't care so much about the attention in terms of elevating my status or or selling more books it's it's more about conveying this message you know that I care about and encouraging young people to stay curious and not pay too much attention to you know Older people telling them not to think about something. You know, that, that's my main message. That's awesome. I have a really weird question. And I may not even be able to formulate it right. Um, what would be the likelihood that someone, you know, another um, civilization? There you go. Thank you. Words. <laughs> Use your big words, Jesse. Yes, yes. <laughs> what would be the likelihood that another civilization would design a uh, probe or you know a scout ship out of rock? You know, being environmentally friendly is something that is naturally available out in the universe to use as a solar sail. Well, we are doing it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we are relatively young in terms of our technological development. We just started to develop the modern technologies we have uh, a century ago. So if you think about it, you know, the Earth existed for four and a half billion years. And we just started to develop the technologies a hundred years ago. So yeah, exactly. clearly, uh, I mean, if you imagine other uh, stars, most of the stars in the universe formed before the sun, and they are billions of years older than the sun. So if they had the same history as the sun did in terms of us coming along with the technologies and so forth, then the, and, and if those civilizations uh, persisted, you know, until now, that they are much more mature than we are because instead of a hundred years, they had a billion years to develop their technology. And mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, it would look like magic for us. Uh, uh, whatever we, we find that, that is a billion years more advanced. I mean, we can learn from them. That's one thing. Uh, it would feel like cheating in an exam, you know, like looking over the shoulder of another student. But, but actually, you know, if it saves us a billion years in, in development, why not? You know, absolutely, because, like, theoretically, let's say that there is time travel, and we all just went back in time, say, just 50 years. Even with the just common technology we have now with our cell phones, laptops, so on and so forth. That's right. People would think we were from an alien civilization because of just exactly. the things that we, we had. And, this is the, and that's just exactly. 50 years. And this is just, this is just 50 years, you're saying. Exactly. So think, so think about a thousand years, a million years, a billion years into the future. You know, for us, it would... We, you know, the technology would be unrecognizable. It would be like magic. 
Absolutely. You know, the thing I don't get, though, with the uh, scientific community who's, you know, just butting heads against a brick wall about this situation, when you have, like, recent stories, like with the Pentagon opening up and showing video footage of possible UFOs, stuff like that, and, and all the different TV shows we have, I mean, hell, you're talking to a radio show right now that talks about paranormal mm-hmm. stuff, that it's become more mainstream, you think that they would be more open to the suggestion of, of even thinking about it? No, because... Uh... Some people think of doing science as an occupation of the elite, of, of you know, not paying too much attention to what other people are doing and just doing intellectual gymnastics to show that, that you're smart. Or, and I, I don't see it that way. I think, just, just as you said, that uh, we should pay attention to what the public says and try to address the same, you know, the same issues. And um, so um, I'm completely with you. And what I'm trying to do in the book and more generally is is to shift the attention of the of, of 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 my colleagues and and put it in the right place because right now they're they're not in the right place. Exactly. I mean, there needs to be a little bit of healthy competition in the scientific field. To like when we developed rockets and when we developed every time there was competition, like usually because of wars, because that's what. Some you know, type of new technology, we step ahead. Yeah, yeah we step ahead yeah. because of that. You know, there's no competition right now to develop or to discover something because, I don't know, maybe they're just closed-minded. It's just like you were saying. I, I, I agree with, you know, Mr. Lowe yeah, completely. So I think he, it's the arrogance you know, and not wanting to jeopardize their career. It's absolutely Yeah, famous. exactly. So if you're trying to show that you're smart or to, to develop an image that, you know, never makes mistakes and so forth, then... Then you also suppress innovation. You you don't uh, take uh, take risks, and you don't. And you know, on this subject, um, you know, the, the, many people are reluctant to discuss it. But at the same time, there are lots of other speculations that people do discuss as part of the mainstream, like mm-hmm. uh, extra dimensions, the multiverse, you know, all kinds of ideas that are not being tested at all. And the only reason that they are accepted is. Because people can do mathematical gymnastics and demonstrate that they are smart doing those things, and and they and they enjoy doing that, but but it has nothing to do with reality, you know. It's exactly, and there's a yeah. huge difference between being smart and being intelligent, and that's what people are <laughs> big time. Yeah, I, yeah. So one reason I, I really am interested about uh, looking for intelligence in the sky is because I don't find it very often on Earth. <laughs> oh man, oh, you get man. an A plus on that one because I definitely agree <laughs> by a long shot, uh, and, and I'm sure you agree with me too. You could be semi smart, but if you got great common sense, it's a wonderful thing to be around. And right. unfortunately, well, I, I I attribute that to growing up on a farm, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm any different than anyone else. I mean, I I don't feel privileged necessarily, and. Uh, I use science like a way of life. You know, if there is something going wrong with a pipe at my home, and then try to figure out the problem, just like a plumber, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the way I do my science. I mean, it's all like a detective story. You, you have uh, you have clues, and you're trying to figure out what, what the reason is. And uh, so for me, doing science is just a way of life. And I'm really fortunate I'm getting paid for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking you more and more. <laughs> but see, but this is the thing. You just made a very valid and good point. If it wasn't for the fact of your natural curiosity from a child till now, you wouldn't be where you're currently at. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I wonder how many people like me did not make it because they, did, they weren't as lucky as I am. And, you know, one of my important um, uh uh, duties or roles uh, that I, as I see it, is to help young people that come from un, not so privileged uh, circumstances and and bring them up to speed on on what we do at the frontier of science. And I see that uh, as a very important goal of what I do, and have lots of young people that work with me, and I, I try to help them. I tell you what, I I just got to say, I mean, our 30 minutes is pretty much up, but I have got to say that this has been an outstanding pleasure talking to you. It's been a true honor. This has honestly been my favorite interview. I mean, even before we started doing Paraprobe, I've had other radio shows I've done, and I've interviewed so many different types of people from film, authors, you name it. And by far, this has been my favorite interview. I have to sincerely admit that. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
tell you what, before we let you go, please go ahead. You have a full minute to put out whatever you like about your book, where they can find it, your website, anything you want to put out. It's all carte blanche to you. Thank you. Um, so my book is called The Extraterrestrial, and it's available on Amazon and any other bookstore. Uh, just came out uh, a few days ago. And um, uh, to the young people, I would highly encourage them to stay young in their spirit and uh, never back down uh, to social pressure. If people tell you what to think, don't, don't pay too much attention to that. And um, I think the future could be much better than the past. Uh, if we keep uh, up with our principles and not pay attention to what social media tells us. So just stay true to yourself. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Loeb, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and an honor, and thank you for coming on our show and giving us your time. Thank you for having me. And you are welcome back anytime. I don't care if you got a book. I don't care if you wrote a Hallmark card and you want to promote it. <laughs> Give us a call or an email. You. You're always welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank thanks, you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That being said, I just went on Amazon to uh, purchase the book. book. <laughs> yeah, well, it is temporarily out of stock. Oh, imagine that, out it's, of stock. It's doing well. Yeah, it's doing very well, <laughs> especially when you go to Amazon and it's out. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know, the thing that you and I have agreed upon many, many times, that uh, I mean, hence why we do paranormal investigations. It's our curiosity because of things that have happened to us. We want to know if there is the other side and so on and so forth. And, of course, that expanded into talking with people like, you know, Professor Loeb, you know, about, you know, UFOs, so on and so, you know, so, God, so on and so forth. I'm getting tongue-tied now. I'm really excited. This is the first time I've really been very that excited about an interview. Oh, my God. It, it, well, because he's so, he's so much of a scientist. He's a legitimate scientist. We, you and I have known a lot of scientists. Oh, absolutely. Air quotes, scientists, yeah, air quotes, you know? yeah. And what really defines any scientist any real scientist, and I'm saying this, and I don't care if you get mad at me, whatever, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I, any real scientist is defined by their curiosity and Absolutely. by their open-mindedness. If you're going to be closed-minded about something and actually just, you know, remove something from or not talk about something because you're not <sighs> – <laughs> because you're unaccepting you're so of it emotional. because you don't think it actually freaking exists. There, that you're not a scientist. You're not real. I'm sorry. You know, you can know all the stuff you want to about stuff. I mean, some of the best, you know, marine biologists we know have the greatest curiosity, and they're always asking questions. You oh, have to always ask yeah. questions. Like, hey, is this really, you know, natural? Because yeah. everybody knows man-made objects. Are usually circular, well, you know, a, or not not natural objects, or circular, or like a perfect shape, but, like this pancake thing he was talking but about. But going back to the marine biology bit, giving you an, a perfect example. Think about how long the people have said that dolphins traveled in pods. They always called a pod, and it's actually not. A pod means it's generational. It's biologically connected or related to each other, like mother, father, so on. Yeah, so like forth. orca wells. Yeah, like orca wells that travel together. Which, by the way, are dolphins. They're the largest species of dolphin. But other than that, they're not pods. They have other, like, friends they travel with. They're called fission-fusion groups, not a pod. A pod is the actually the wrong term and definition to use for a group of dolphins, and people still say that. And and But look how long it took for somebody to go, I don't think they're related. Exactly. And they started checking the dolphins yeah. and realized that they weren't. They traveled with friends, and so they are actually a fission-fusion well, group. And some of the identification programs that they have for that was just out of curiosity. Hey, are these dolphins staying in this area? Are they leaving? Are they moving? Are they coming back? Are they migrating? What are they doing? You know, I mean, especially with this particular area because we have a ton of them. Oh, absolutely. And the Gulf of Mexico is yep. known for, you know, the millions of freaking dolphins that we have out here. I mm -hmm. mean, just the curiosity alone about things. And I have been – I've always been into Star Trek, always been into space. Like that's always like Star Trek, Star Wars, anything space. Mm -hmm. Anything extraterrestrial related, I've always been kind of into because I'm curious. I want to know. I want to see what's out there. Well, that is my biggest dream. Like even when I was a little boy growing up in church, they're like, oh, yeah, when you die, you can answer out anything. I was like, okay, God, can I like go out into the universe and explore? Yeah. Because like I want to see what's out there. There are things out there that nobody has seen. Yeah. And every time – And like, what you may oof. think is weird now – 
you will find out later down the line it becomes just another secondary it's perfectly form of normal it's yeah. perfectly it, it's it's uh, something what we think is weird is just something we've never seen think, before going all the way back to when they first discovered fire that was like oh given to us by the gods nope that's called heat oxygen <laughs> and fuel those three things combined give you fire yes <laughs> and it was and, yep but there you go so it's like all these different things that seem like we're so far-fetched and godlike, and they were just another facet of science. Yeah. I and mean, I think that one day this will become like this, because you got to think about this, like Avi Loeb was talking about. They they rein themselves in because they're afraid of you know hurting their credentials or looking like a nutcase. That may have been the case maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, bringing these type of things up. Now, it's mainstream. They... Uh, I think that they cloud themselves so much in t- inside their little bubble, they don't realize just how mainstream this kind of talk actually is. So I There dis- are millions of podcast shows that talk about paranormal stuff. I disagree with it to an extent. It is mainstream on our common level, but uh, when it comes up – like when uh, – what's his face? But the last president not- um, did the Space Force thing. Every, people are still talking mad trash about that. You know, yeah, and mad you know trash what? Get that about 10, 15 years from now. No one's going to be talking about it. It's just another military organization, just like the Army was, Navy was, Marine Corps was, Air Force. I don't really consider them. No, I'm kidding. Air Force <laughs> was and the Coast Guard. You know, all the, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But but all of those started somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And, and the same thing, like, think about this. Like, he was talking about the, you know, the wanting to – expand your beliefs to find out the truth. Galileo, like he was talking about, got arrested for his beliefs, and he was freaking right. Everybody thought Michelangelo was back crap crazy for building a quote-unquote flying machine. Yeah. (laughs) And here comes the Wright brothers later on using almost exactly the same design and making it work. And people thought that was insane because they were going to get killed doing the, the experiments and testing with it. They did it. And they did it. And now look. I grew up right down the road from there. Flight is nothing special now. Now it's a normal, everyday mode of transportation. Yeah, people get on planes and like... <laughs> yeah, like getting in a taxi. Like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's not that special now. Especially if you're flying JetBlue. No, I'm kidding. Hey, um, JetBlue's dope. I don't I'm care kidding. what JetBlue's you say. Good. I'm, One JetBlue's of my best good. flying experiences was I'm always going to Montreal and yeah. I was on JetBlue and it was so comfortable that I wanted to sleep, but it was so awesome that I couldn't sleep. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I love JetBlue. Big shout out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was saying. I was being sarcastic. I actually like JetBlue too if I'm flying. Um, which you know, like taking a taxi because it's normal now. But uh, yeah, I, just, I I think about this. I mean, and this goes outside of just UFOs and stuff like that. What about discovery? If we were to turn around and all the people throughout history just said we're the only civilization here, we're the only landmass here. You wouldn't have all the other different continents. Well, technically you would, but I'm just saying they would have been undiscovered by other people. That we wouldn't have known we have a world populace. You know what I mean? They would have thought they were the only people walking around that piece of land that was on the entire planet. And it's like, no, there is a world populace out there. That's why I like watching a lot of these crazy shows people like get annoyed about and I even make fun of, like ancient aliens. I mean, even the Egyptians knew there was something beyond. Anytime anyone speaks about... You know, God or gods or, like, the mm-hmm. Greeks and stuff like that, they always believed on something that was on a higher plane of existence of us, and that was, you know, around long before we were. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for all we know, they could have already been here. Dude, go and, back to the Bible, the Bible alone. Mm-hmm. When they talk about, you know, seeing the angels come down from the chariots of fire from heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and their and their words for what they could interpret back then, they didn't have HBO and Showtime. They don't know what aliens crafts are. You know what I'm saying? Well, back then, they were using their terminology to describe it. Exactly. They were angels coming down from chariots of fire. What if that was actually just UFOs? It wasn't angels. It was UFOs. Well, that's where the term flying saucer came from. I mean, literally saw a flying disc and was like, hey, that looks like a saucer like you would put your tea on. Yeah, and, <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not even contributing that to, like, you know, ancient aliens or anything of that nature. I'm just saying that, yes, if you look at the Bible and if you think of it metaphorically, it really describes alien craft. Well, I mean, really the Bible does. is known for metaphorical speak. No, I mean, angels. parables and everything. Angels. There's a prime example. Actually, look in the Bible and read the definition of what an angel looks like. It doesn't look like man. Nope. <laughs> multiple wings, multiple eyes. Everything. Oh, yeah. Especially, what are they, um, the seraphim, I think it yep. is? seraphim. With, yep. like, six wings or whatever? Yeah. That's a daggum dragonfly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a daggum dragonfly. Ain't no angel. 
Oh, I tried drinking again. I tried to hold back the redneck, like the whole like country thing when he was on here. I tried to keep it like as uh, that lasted forty four minutes. <laughs> we made it forty four minutes before you went redneck. All yeah. right. Uh, but you know, a but sign with a little with a little turning, like it's been zero minutes. So. <laughs> zero minutes since the last redneck incident. Flip, got to flip it back now. But you know, but the thing is, though, I mean, at the end of the day, if it wasn't for curiosity and people expanding on that curiosity, we wouldn't have nothing that we have now. Exactly. Everything from medical, you know, science that has just evolved throughout the generations and throughout history, uh, to just plain science from like creation of automobiles, airplanes. Uh, television, telephones, you know, communication, weapons. I mean, everything evolves somewhere from someone's curiosity. Yep. Somewhere. Yep. And usually, I would say probably, and I'm guesstimating here because I'm not some super genius, but about 99% of the time, it usually is probably somebody going, I wonder if. Yep. And, and that's how it started. Yep. Well, you that's know? the whole thing. That I mean, with everything, every if you look at our world today, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that aren't asking what if? Yeah, absolutely. you know, there's. I mean, from a political standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, from a sociological standpoint, from pick a standpoint, pick anything that yeah. you pick a subject. I don't care. Yep. There's a lot of people that aren't asking what if, and that are satisfied with the way things are. See, what aggravates my wife they so much about me? My wife hates this because I'm always trying to fix something that ain't broke. <laughs> I'm always trying to make things but better. But that's how things get improved, well, and they th- become better. Yeah, I, and I have that mentality. And like when I bought my car, I bought my car brand new, mm-hmm. you know, because like I wanted it. Like I planned, I saved up, I bought the car brand spanking new, three miles on it. At 15 miles, it had a whole new exhaust system on there. <laughs> <laughs> At 25 miles, it got an ECU tune. Like I, I'm always like, all right, let's let let's make this better. Like like my fence for my garden. Oh, absolutely. You, know? you and I have been discussing that for God knows how long. Uh, well, it is now rabbit proof. Now rabbit proof, <laughs> finally. It's not squirrel proof, no. You know, but necessity, you know, exactly. The mother of ingenuity. See, there you go. And and that's the thing. Yeah. Um, the solar sail. That was something that was brought up when uh, Star Wars Episode One came out. No, episode two. Yeah. When um, Count Dooku left one of the what Geonosis, mm-hmm. he had this ship and it had a solar sail on it. Yeah. And people were like, "Oh my God, is that possible?" And people were thinking solar wind. And actually, it, it was before then because uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine <laughs> Deep had Space a, Nine, solar, yes. a solar a solar. But the worst ship. thing is, is they did not realize that that's been part of theory of science for decades. Oh, it's it just they made it applicable in the movie. Yeah, yeah. and it's something. It, Actually, it's George Lucas. Let's face it. He probably He's checked an alien. it out. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are definitely aliens on this planet. Oh, it wouldn't 100% surprise me. Sure. It really wouldn't. I mean, Blue it might be really one. would not Look surprise me. <laughs> Dude, just walk downtown St. Pete one time. You'll you'll believe it. There's aliens. Dude, that used to be my hobby. I used to work at a Publix in downtown St. Pete, and I literally used to sit on the bus stopping people watch. That was what I did during my lunch break. You know, but here's the other, the other thing of that, though, the flip side of the coin here. If they're too worried about... Seeing if there's another civilization further out in space and more advanced technology, so on and so forth. Well, then how about maybe you should start wondering, well, could we maybe go see them? And here's why. Not because we need to go find an alien civilization. It's just the fact and reality of life, and any scientist will tell you this, the Earth is not going to be here forever. And that is very true. And also, granted, on another not going to be point, gone in our lifetime, but it will be gone eventually. And you better start stepping up your game because if you're living in a neighborhood that's about to be bulldozed, you got to find another home. <laughs> yeah, GTFO for real. Um, but on another subject that we talked about when we did our alien show, um, even if they're hostile, even if you know they're conquerors of some sort, which mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if they've been around for a billion years, likelihood is they know how to be self-sufficient and they're taking care of themselves to last that long. That's yeah. part of our problem. Exactly. We're not self-sufficient anymore. We're not living with the planet. Dude, we, we can't get along about politics, about people that we don't even live in their life, not even a part of their life. People and that people nobody likes. each other over it. Literally people nobody yeah. likes. You know, yeah. who, who likes politicians anyway? I mean, seriously. Exactly. Nobody Name likes politicians, politician but we're like. all fighting each other over politicians. How yeah. stupid is that? You know? Yeah. Intelligence doesn't exist here. Nope. Um, <laughs> I agree. 
But anyways, I, even if they're hostile, even if they're conquerors, even if they want to like kill us and strip our resources, it's from a military standpoint, we should be scouting them out and knowing yeah. where they are, knowing what they're doing at all times because you always want to keep a closer eye on your enemy than you want to do on your friends. You ain't got to worry about somebody down the street. Absolutely. You got to worry about that, what Bob the way down it is there in the military with. period. Exactly. You keep your friends close and enemies closer or enemies closer. But here's a good point. When he was talking about when they named it, you know, the Hawaiian name which basically meant scout. The reason why I really think that's a very good name to use and it's something you just brought up and it made a very good point. If you were going to scan another civilization, Regardless of whether or not you're warring or you're just curious, you're going to send in a scout. If, if you have any intelligence, which I'm sure if they could travel here, they obviously have intelligence. I'm sure they figured out what tactical is. They would send a scout to want to observe and see what's going on here. Are we worth even messing with or whatever the case may be? But with that being said, what better thing to send as a scout, especially for that far civilized advanced intelligence, of building a natural looking object that's going through space that nobody's going to pay attention to or people are going to be fighting over whether it's something inanimate or not exactly the fact that it changed speed without any propellant yeah is is fascinating there's no dust particles no nothing behind it to show that which is standard amongst asteroids you know going through space there's always debris following behind it yeah it's always kind of breaking apart because of the temperature changes forces yeah and it's just they something else would send something that looks like an inanimate object. That way, you're sitting there confused for so long that you won't know that a if they're coming to like conquer us or if they think we're conquerors because you know damn well that they have seen our gamma radiation from our nuclear weapons and our nuclear test from whatever country is this country that country pick a country whatever yeah pick one <laughs> and you know or our nuclear reactors you know they're they're scanners and everything because we've sent gamma rays well here's the truth and they know they know we're here here's a true thing majority of the ufos that have ever been spotted period like especially in the last like 50 years have revolved typically around nuclear bases mm-hmm. around where they have nuclear weapons and stuff hell maybe they don't know anything about nuclear energy and all their energy is like um what is that anti-gravity drives or whatever yeah using anti-gravity drives <laughs> i mean or what, if, whatever. what if they're like yeah. hey look they got a technology we don't have maybe we can check them out and uh oh, oh. what if they turn they're around? using it for that what if they because right, we were beaming like signals out in space what if they picked up like star trek and they're like great they already figured out how to get here <laughs> don't not realizing it's just a, tele, a television show <laughs> they can transport like that <laughs> they could do that Dude, that guy's got pointy ears. They're probably ter- more terrified of us than we would be of them, to be completely honest. Because you know for a fact that if something not of us came here, the first thing most of the governments would do is try to kill it. Yeah, and that's to be honest, that's true. I mean, because if you start getting in, you know, you know, let's go into real tactical stuff here. If you have a craft coming in that you cannot get an IFF off of, friend or foe frequency, and it's coming into our airspace that is not supposed to be there, if it doesn't answer quickly, they're going to send up jet fighters to go check it out. Now, if it does not respond to those jet fighters, and this is only if they have time, well, then the jet fighters can actually shoot this thing down depending on when and where it is going. All right. Hmm. Now, rewind on that. If they see this thing is coming in hot, they don't have time to launch someone. Yeah, they're going to probably try to nail this thing right out of the sky because they don't know, and it's understandable. That'd be like if, uh, you know, if you're, I don't know, say you're in your front yard and you happen to have a gun on you, somebody drives by and just starts opening fire. You know, you're going to return you're fire. Going to start shooting. Yeah. You know, I mean, just out of a, a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And if a craft is coming in that fast, you don't have time to wait and find out if they're friendly or not. No, you don't. Yeah. Or we could not even the craft. It may not even look like a craft to us. It could be another rock floating through space, and we think it's an asteroid coming to kill us. Yeah, if it's floating through space and all that, and it's not detrimental to our planet, like coming straight towards it, like an impact. No, no, no. I'm talking about like coming into yeah, our atmosphere. Coming, coming into our us. atmosphere. Yes, they're going to probably try to nail this yeah. thing. If, if this is if they see it far enough out. Well, man has always tried in the past. Last man has always tried it, to destroy that, yeah, you, everything you know, that it doesn't know. Yeah. And that's what I think is wrong with the scientists. They're trying the the people who Avi Loeb was talking about. They're trying to destroy 
something they don't know. They're afraid of what they don't know. And that is the major weakness with I think some, of, some the of them. I think some of them, that may, be, that may be it. It may be just a self-indulgent fear that they have over the unknown of something of that magnitude. Could be subconscious. That they don't want to deal with it, and they're trying to push it away. But like he was saying, I, I really get. I think that a lot of people, like we were talking about earlier in the show, that a lot of these scientists, they feel that, that it's not mainstream to talk about it. You're a nut job. You don't want to go that direction. You know, and it's like, you know, because people aren't going to take you serious because look at all the other people who admitted before about UFO existence. What happens? Every single one of them get their their character assassinated every time, every single time. When you turn around, you take a look at almost every single major person who's come out about a you, you know, from Roswell, you know, to other people who claim they worked at Area 51. I'm not even going to like even like participate in giving their names out i'm just going to say in general in general terms here but guarantee people know exactly who i'm talking about just by saying the you know basic like roswell stuff like that but every one of those people that was involved with these type of ufo incidents have had their characters done everything well see that's the politics of everything and this is why you and i we don't talk about politics on air and we hate politics in general because politics when politics get into anything and people start judging based on politics and start doing things politically. Yeah. No, not even like Republican Democrat crap. Like just like hierarchy and you know yeah, acceptable and this that yeah. and the other. When once you bring you know some sort of political spectrum into it, all logic goes out the window. Oh, absolutely. Everything else turns into bull crap. It turns into emotional. States. Yeah. That's what it turns into. And honestly, science isn't emotional. That's why I like it so much. You know? Yeah, science you don't is have logic. to worry You're about using plain depressed. and simple logic. Now, granted, you bend the logic here and there to try to find the, the answer for something. Well, that see, you... no, that, that's not even it. You're not even bending logic. You're testing theories to yeah. see if the theories will but fit the, the facts. But the point that I'm getting at is that even with using logic and so on and so forth for science, there is no emotional state with it. They're going by facts, what mm-hmm. they find. It's just like when uh, a lawyer with a court case, they're trying to determine the facts to prove if someone's guilty or not guilty. When they find this crime that they're trying to figure out, is it guilty, real, or is it not guilty, it doesn't exist, that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. I mean, think about all the vaccinations we've had for, like, you know, polio, so on and so forth throughout life. If Hell, penicillin was created by an accident. <laughs> you know? It was bread mold. Yeah, literally. It was an accident. And you know what? That's the other thing, too. Sometimes in life with science, sometimes it's just accidental. And a lot of things that we've had in our lifetime improved in science was because of accident. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, back when, like, they were burning, quote-unquote, witches at the stake, yeah. a lot of them were actual doctors who yeah. had a cure for something and were like, oh, my God, that's magic. They're doing magic. Witchcraft. Yeah. Kill you them. <laughs> I mean, it's... I guess they didn't Pe- pay their doctor bill. Oh, yeah. People are uh, ridiculous sometimes. Sometimes. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be nice, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Going back to you know the our fun professor who was on today, definitely a great interview. It was awesome having him on. Now I look forward to having him on again. Can't wait to read the book now. Um, uh, when it becomes available. <laughs> yeah, whenever there's one open to actually buy again because it keeps selling out so quick. Here, I'm going to put it add to my list. There you go. There we go. But uh, Something else for me to spend money on. We do have a lot of other guests coming up in the near future. On March 6th, we have Ken Boggle coming on, oh, that's who is me. a psychic, which you guys are going to totally dig because he's like the real deal uh, and does like, you know, well, he I don't want to say he does celebrities because I'm not saying he's a, a whore. Um, he like does you know tarot reading stuff like that for like you know famous people and stuff, and pretty much everybody. But a really great guy, funny as hell too. So definitely can't wait to have him on. Um, and we got of course a bunch of other guests coming on, but we're running out of time here very quickly. So he sent a back photo too. That's he sent a back photo too. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see my butt? <laughs> you want to see my butt? I would show you my future, but my backside looks good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to get ready to roll on out of here. Wow. Jesse, you got anything else? I know this hour went by quick, bro. No, uh, it was a true honor to have a actual scientist on the show. And not be a dork. Oh, it was beautiful. All right, we'll see you guys next weekend. Bye. Distant. Cause the universe is weird, I'm kind of freaking out. What the heck is this all about? Infinite, unbounded.
Mike Simpson patronizing glue on Jetson will never understand half of what we have at hand. At least that's what I fear. Cause the universe is weird. An electron has a strong charge as strong as a proton and a tiny mass but not non-existent like the photon. And you might want to take a seat now because this might blow your mind. It has a mass and charge but not apparently a size. And there's a lot of stuff all around you right now. Your chair, your friend, your planet, and your sister's neighbor's cow. And all that mundane mass and energy is all we know and understand. But it's only 4% of what the universe has at hand. Because the universe is weird. I'm kind of freaking out. What the heck is this all about? Infinite unbounded sets and antronizing glue. Jetson will never understand half of what we have in Police officers will station themselves at Washington area airports and the city's union stations.